0: Hello and welcome to the False Nines. This is the 64th episode of a bi-weekly footballing discussion. I am not your host, Zach Penzak. I am your host, Adam Goffin. With some bad news for the False Nines faithful, Zachary Penzack has come down with COVID. But the good news is, guys, he's doing okay. He is not podcast ready, um, but he is in recovery i Alan St. Maximin and doing doing pretty well. The good news for you though is that today I have a special guest on the pod who is going to guide us through all of his thoughts today and that's my good friend Justin E. Brayman from Michigan. How are you doing today Justin?
1: (laughs) Good man how are you doing?
0: Doing well, doing well. Um, okay. So those who have not heard from Justin before, which is probably most, uh, Justin is actually a friend of mine uh, originally from Colorado is where we met. Um, he's from Michigan himself, um, but it's part of the Mile High Magpie supporters group when he was living out here with his lovely wife, Jess, uh, and recently moved a couple years ago now back to to Michigan. So Justin has a wealth of football knowledge, and I'd love for you to Give the uh, give the False Nines faithful a uh, a little bit of a bio into into your accomplishments in your life so far and your your kind of time as a football fan.
1: Yeah, yeah, not a problem. Um, so thanks for having me on. Um, so I've been uh, Newcastle United supporter for let's see what eighteen years now. So we're around two thousand three, two thousand around them is when I started uh, following them, and uh, in you know, grew up playing soccer, um, and then had the opportunity to coach soccer and actually in Michigan here before I moved out to Colorado, I spent six years, uh, head coach of great lakes college uh, soccer team here in Lansing, Michigan. So, um, it was a great opportunity, something I always wanted to do. And then, yeah, like Adam said, moved out to Denver, had great, f- what, four or five years out there with the, um, mile High magpies. And then my wife and I had our daughter. So we decided to move back here towards family. Um, and it's it's been great and i'm actually uh, i was just before covid started trying to start up the uh the motor city magpies there you uh, go here, here in metro detroit so uh, <laughs> i've got the twitter handle and everything set uh so that's coming up and i was just try- trying to find a, a home bar but uh, covid hit and that's kind of gone the wayside but um anybody out there looking for uh motor city magpies here in the future so
0: there you go give give us a shout yeah. out what's your what's your twitter twitter handle that you said there uh, motor city magpies, motor city magpies, hit them up, give yep. them a follow on Twitter. I don't even know how Twitter works. Is that the right lingo? There is a follow on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Follow yeah. Good. Good yeah. stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> uh, all right. So I, again, Justin's going to be with me through the duration of the pod. We're sending our best wishes to Zach. He is doing okay. He's, um, he's laid up in bed, um, feel, feeling all right. Just kind of pretty wiped out. I asked him if he had any messages For our listeners tonight he said in the words of alphaville i am hoping for the best but expecting the worst and he is talking (laughs) ladies and gentlemen about newcastle season hoping for the best expecting the worst we will get there we will get there in a few moments but lots to talk about on the newcastle united front today All right. So um, just an overview of what we'll cover today on the pod. First, we're going to do our regular section EPL trivia. For those of you that haven't uh, experienced that before, I'm going to give you a trivia question at the start of the pod. We'll give you a clue halfway through the pod, and then we'll give you a final clue at the end, as well as the answer to that trivia question. We're going to be covering in the first half of the pod, the English Premier League matches. There were only four, but there was plenty to talk about this weekend, some really important bottom of the half table stuff, and then some really important stuff towards the top half that might have impacts on European football next season. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll go into Europa League. Lots to talk about there, including Spurs being dumped out of the Europa League unceremoniously by Dinamo Zagreb. And then we'll get into the Champions League. Um, again, three English teams have made it through to the last eight there. So England continuing their domination at the Champions League. We'll then round it out with 10 and 90. I have some really awful questions for you today, Justin. Get ready. Oh, I'm ready. Yeah, and then we'll give you the trivia answer, and we'll be on our way. Okay, you ready, my friend? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so we'll start with the EPL trivia question. Again, Justin, don't answer right away, but I want you to start thinking about this, mulling it over in your head. Which club can claim the lowest home attendance in English Premier League history Mm -hmm. with just 3,039 fans in the stands that day? So you're thinking about Premier League clubs, past and present, obviously since the start of the Premier League era in the early 90s. Uh And you're thinking about small grounds, low attendances, which club can claim the lowest home attendance in English Premier League history with 3,039 fans in the stands that day. Obviously not counting COVID because there's zero fans in the stand for all these games. (laughs) Actual fans in attendance, low attendance. Right, right, right. Okay. Cool. Got any immediate things to mind there? Um... No, I don't. nothing. Nothing off the bat. No. All right, I got. We'll I keep... got to think back. What was it like? Ninety-two. Ninety-two was the inaugural season. Yeah. Right? Okay. So, All right. Yep. So we'll give you a little clue halfway through the pod. See if we can help. Uh, help get you on the right the right path here. Cool. Sounds good. All right. So let's start with the Premier League matches. We'll start with the bottom half battles, and we'll go chronologically. Friday night there was a great game between. Fulham and Leeds at Craven Cottage. Lots of Newcastle fans had eyes on this one and were hoping for an away victory for Leeds United. They got it. They got a two one victory for Leeds. Um, Patrick Bamford passed a late fitness test in that game. and came up with a big goal and an assist in that game in a two one victory for Leeds. Um, I want to start with Patrick Bamford here. Great performance from him, Justin. That's now 14 goals in 29 games this season Bamford was not really believed to be the guy that would be leading the line for Leeds this season. Rodrigo was brought in the summer and a lot of people thought that he would be the guy banging in the goals, having lots of, you know, experience in La Liga and coming in from right. Valencia, but Bamford has been doing the business. He's in the top five scorers in the premier league. What does this guy have to do to earn a call up from Southgate? He's still capitalist at this point.
1: Yeah, no great question. I mean, you look at it and you, you know, um, it, it seems like a no brainer sometimes. Right. I mean, you, you just read off the, the stats that he's on there. Uh, what is it? 1429. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, he, he's, he's playing out of his mind. Um, I think what you need to do just kind of naturally, what I would do is, you know, you look at the, look at the uh, CULPS for the, uh, the England squad currently for the, um, the next matches here. We well, got, you got Kane, Calvert-Lewin, um, I think when you look at those two, you know, Kane is what he's leading goals in the system to EPL right now. So um, he's not going to replace him. No, mm-hmm. no threat there. Covered Lewin, 14 goals. Um, I don't think he's gonna replace him. And then, you know, some of the other guys, I feel like it's just maybe a style of play difference. Um, I think it really would come down to um, between Bamford and Ollie Watkins. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. it, that, that's really the only you know, spot. I think that he he has a chance of slot in that.
0: Yeah, you look at that forward line. So um, Gareth Southgate named six total players in his Fords here. It's quite mm-hmm. interesting. Carver Lou and Kane, you mentioned Oli Watkins. So I think it's a pretty similar striker to mm-hmm. um, to Patrick Bamford. Both were playing in the championship last season. You've got Rashford, you've got Sterling and you've got Bokeo Saka. Um, Saka was the interesting one for me. That was the one that stood out for me. More of a, a left winger. And I think... As I started to look at it, I looked at Leeds last formation and I looked at England's last formation and Leeds play with this 4-1-4-1 formation um, Mm -hmm. with a lone striker and then England play a 3-4-2-1. So also with a lone striker, but slightly different formation. I think to me, the answer is Bamford is a, a standout kind of like lone man up top. And when you have Harry Kane as that lone striker, I just don't see a world in which Southgate is going to replace him. Uh, in the front line for England
1: no yeah I agree I don't he's, he's not going to be him at all and you know I think I came across some quotes uh just looking into this a little bit you know and Southgate had said a couple of things um in weeks past um I think he had he brought up a Brent uh, Bamford and he said that you know he he needs a lot of chances to be able to score and that was kind of a negative hmm. so you know maybe he's looking at chances that he gets um for his home club and that you know, that, that ratio is a little too uncomfortable for him uh, to to bring him up. So that was kind of an interesting quote. Yeah. And then with Ali, I know with Watkins, he had said um something along the lines of that. He really liked his speed and uh the pressing and getting back, you know, making the runs in behind the defense. And they, that, you know, that's why he really called him up. And I just don't think Bamford is that kind of player. I think he's more of, um you know, like a Harry Kane who's, you know, up top that, that central figure, but I don't think he's He's not pressing as much. He's not making a lot of speedy runs in behind, maybe more smart runs in behind. So, yeah, I think all that combined.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, you know, it's, it's a good dilemma to have for Southgate, right? He's got plenty of options, plenty of talent up top. Interesting to see where Bukaya Saka fits into that. I don't see him starting in the in the next games. I think he might come nice. on as a sub in that. But I digress. Le- Leeds with a great win, too, on at Craven Cottage. Um, They are on to 11th place now. They're on 39 points. I would say 39 points now, 13 points clear of relegation zone. They're safe for another season. Where do you think they should look to kind of consolidate and improve uh, as we go into the summer transfer window?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they're, um, you know, they've, they've, I think they're, you know, top 510 in the EPL right now with, uh, you know, shots and, and some offensive stats there. So I don't think that's the problem for them. Um, really, I think I think they're right around, what, 6th in goals conceded, though. Um, mm-hmm. And what you had then there was like, what, 47 uh, for goals conceded. So I'm going to have to say the defense. I know that they've got a couple uh, of really nice outside backs. I can't remember the guy who played on the left, but I know there's Ailing who mm-hmm. plays there. I really like those players. I don't know if we, you necessarily change those two. Uh, but maybe looking at bringing in some, you know, uh, a bigger name central defender just to kind of shore things up a little bit. I think that's probably the first spot that they need to start looking.
0: It's an interesting point, right? I think you, you look at Leeds this, Leeds team, and they remind me very much of Newcastle from from the Keegan days, right? They they're gonna they're gonna beat you four three. Or mm-hmm. they're or they're going to lose about five or six nil, right? They're they're that sort of team. They don't really care about defense so much, but I think they have to if they want to kick on in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and you look at the way the style in which they play, Mellier, I think is actually a pretty decent goalkeeper. I've been impressed yeah. with him this season. But you're you're right. I think you know at the back they tend to be a little bit lax, um, and they've definitely got some goals conceded in them. So I, I would agree there that defense is probably the place that they would um want to want to really kind of strengthen there anybody you'd earmark for that justin anybody that you could think of like a good seasoned pro maybe premier league veteran or, or somebody outside of the league right now that you think could come in and make a difference for them
1: um man i don't know i'm not, not sure who anybody that comes to mind it's so difficult to think of like uh where where guys are on the contracts and things like that um mm-hmm. what you have are you got somebody in mind that you might think I-
0: I had someone I've been thinking about um, who's a little bit out of favor right now. Uh, Chelsea is Tiago Silva, right? Mm. Marcelo Biel. I don't know why he would go to to Leeds, but maybe, <laughs> maybe Marcelo Bielsa yeah. is the man that could kind of like, you know, catch his attention there. He, he definitely is able to to bring in some names and a lot of people want to play under him with that style. Silva's not starting right now for Chelsea he might be just a sort of experienced head that they might be looking for, for a season or two.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Chelsea has a, you know, it's a great, interesting thought because they have a completely new kind of setup system here, um, especially with them running, I think, typically three at the back now. So a little even less opportunities for some of the defenders off the bench. So, yeah, exactly.
0: yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, well, on the Fulham side, you know, a loss for them, but still still not playing badly, you know, that they're, they're they're putting up some decent performances. And I think that's what worries Newcastle fans right now. They would have jumped out of the bottom three before Newcastle played with a win. They didn't, they lost. Nope. Um, and then now they have upcoming next two games, Villa away and Wolves at home. So they're going to be uh, playing in the West Midlands against Villa and then having the West Midlands come to them in Wolverhampton Wanderers. What, what do you think, Justin? What about these next two games? How much do you realistically expect Fulham to take from those two?
1: Yeah. Um... It's tough because <laughs> all I can do is compare them to Newcastle right now, and uh, so I, I feel like they're uh, they're miles ahead. But um, realistically, I mean, uh, you know, I'm looking at some of the notes here. I have I know. I guess looking at the the earlier fixtures in this season, um, you know, they're, they're playing Villa. Villa beat them what three nil in September, I think, mm-hmm. and Wolves beat them one nil in October. Um, so. I think, I think they're going to be split. I think they're going to get three points out of those two games. I think Villa, Villa wins again. But I think um, I think Fulham beats Wolves. Um, I think Wolves play a game on Monday night that week, and then they play again on Friday night. They play Fulham. So it's a little bit of a shortened, uh, you know. In today's game, it doesn't always mean everything. That's still, you know, four or five days. But I think just with a little bit of a shortened week, Wolves might be, have some tired legs, and that might show. And I think Fulham will get three points out of those two.
0: Yeah, I actually agree with you there. I think three points is what we can expect from Fulham and those two. I think a lot of it, though, will depend on getting players back. Like Jack Grealish has now been out for several games for Villa. Um, he is a player that really makes them tick, and they've looked a little bit lost without him. So if they can get him back, I can see a comfortable Villa win in that game. And then on the Wolves' side, Raul Jimenez as well is a player that they are hoping will be cleared to, to return pretty soon. So I think a lot of it will depend. On that, but all in all, a good win for Leeds and a very important win for Newcastle in terms of um, Leeds going over going over Fulham on Friday night. Speaking of Newcastle, Justin, it wasn't the best of days on Saturday for the two Northern oh, faithful, was it? It was. A, it was, it was a not. Pretty, no, it was a pretty rough one. We were we were humbled three three nil by a uh, uh, let's be honest, a far superior Brighton side in every aspect. Um, it was. <laughs> This, this now makes a couple of statistics here. Eight games without a win against Brighton. They are very much mm-hmm. our bogey side in the Premiership since we, we got promoted from the championship in 2017. I wrote here, men against boys. Um, that's definitely what it seemed like to me. Um, and, and I just, it seemed, they typed this game up, Justin. Like the, the Newcastle players, Jamal Sells, the manager, they'd hyped it up. They'd said it was a big relegation six pointer they are going to be up for it um, then you had on the other side of it um grand potter playing it down a little bit i think trying mm-hmm. to make sure that you know his players stayed calm in it and and what we got ultimately was just an abject performance from newcastle and deservedly were trounced 3-0 just as the reverse fixture was back in the uh in the fall of last year
1: yeah yeah i mean just terrible i mean a game so bad that i i Ended up, I think I, lo- I turned it off the last ten minutes and was flipping between uh, golf and rugby. Uh, <laughs> if, if I'm honest, says <laughs> um, a lot. Yeah, it just was. Um, I mean, it's a mess. It's I, you know, I don't even know where to start at this point. I mean, you you, you can talk endlessly about uh, you know Steve Bruce or the players themselves. I mean, uh, where do we want to start? Um, you know, I think first and foremost for me, um, especially as. You know somebody who has coached before and and looks at tactics. You know I, I look at Bruce's tactics and the and what he continues to do, and it's just a mess. Um, you know it's it's constantly changing. It's um and, and never in the right direction. You know for me he he starts this game with this uh this diamond midfield. You know with Shelby Almiron and Hayden Willock on the sides, and it's just. It was a disaster. Um, I think there's so many times you watch in the game, on a couple of the goals where, you know, Almiron is running back behind Shelby, uh, defending the ball, and there's just um, – there's no identity with the team, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, who who are they going to be? Are we going to be – are we going to sit back and try to counter? Are we going to just sit back? Are we going to press? Um, I yeah, yeah. It's frustrating it's a, to even talk about
0: it's a good, it's a good point. It's, it, we, it's almost like we got Graham Jones in, in the transfer window. I think that was the biggest transfer for, for Newcastle in the transfer window, um, yep. in, including Joe Wilk. Um, and then you brought him in and you immediately saw a reaction, right? You saw them starting to have that high press, a couple of bit better performances, players were fit. And then all of a sudden you start getting a couple of players out injured. You lose Almiron, you lose St. Maximin. you lose, um, He was Cal Wilson as well. And Mm -hmm. all all of a sudden, you're left with kind of your B B stars, right? You're not your A stars, your B stars. And they're not quite as competent or as capable of doing that high press as those other players are, or putting in as much of a shift in as an Almiron would. And you're sticking with that system regardless. You're trying to make square pegs fit into round holes. Mm -hmm. And you're playing players out of position. You're playing Fraser as a lone striker. In the previous game, you're playing Gale, on the wing you're playing joe linton as a winger in this game again as and he's the only recognized striker on the field it just smacks of either one of two things he doesn't know what he's doing or he's trying to lose his job what's what's your take there yeah i think i
1: don't i don't think what he, he knows what he's doing um i think he's um oh well with him i think also that he is he is tactically old school um i think that um He, you know, Bruce just, his tactics are old. He's slow to change. I think there has been a a big influx of overseas coaching talent that has come into the EPL um, that has brought a a brand new tactical approach to things. And he's so far behind. And, um, you know, I know he was a defender. So you see a lot of defense in there. Um, But, I mean, you look at how he sets up any opportunity for us to score, go, score a goal this last, uh, this last game. And you know, he's got what Frazier and Joe Linton and Almiron sitting back behind, um, you know, and, and Potter just has to press his, you know, forwards or wingers down there and then just pushes everybody back on. We're automatically sitting and no change in that is just so, so frustrating.
0: Yeah. And you've got basically that front three looks really, really impressive for Brighton. You've got Trossard sitting in behind, um, Neil Mope and Denny Welbeck, all three of them getting on, on the score sheet in that game. And I'm not surprised. They're, they're, they're a more well-drilled team. They are a team that, here, here's, here's the difference, I think, um, with Newcastle and Brighton. Even when Brighton lose, they don't look bad. Right. They look like they're a team that has gone out there and maybe they've had the rub of the green go against them in that game but they've looked decent. They've looked well-drilled. They've looked organized. They looked like they had a game plan. You look at Newcastle and they look like a bunch of headless chickens. And that's the main difference, right? You've got an old school coach, like you said, in Steve Bruce. And then on the other side of the field, you've got Graham Potter, who is kind of a new school manager. He's going to make some mistakes. He's, He's still fairly young at that, but you can see quite clearly that they are set up to play a certain way. And we're crying out for that right now. Some direction to your point and some tactics. So I'd ask you this to really kind of sum up on Newcastle: Do we put the blame firmly at the door of Bruce, or is there also some accountability here on the players' side? Right? I mean, it looks like he's lost the dressing room, but mm-hmm. ultimately there didn't seem to be a lot of fight in the players on the field who who might be trying to win in spite of Bruce. You know?
1: No, yeah, I agree, and and that's a you know that's a, a point that um, needs to be brought up as well. You know, especially you look at. Um, you know, you look at when Hayden gets his injury, right. It comes off and mm-hmm. man, I don't know about, you know, when I played or we were in a situation that when I coached um, you fought for that. You said, Hey, this guy's out. We're going to fight for him and, and fight as hard as we can to get this win because that player can't even something as simple as that, you know, you could see a reaction out of a team. Um, I've seen reactions out of the team. It would get a reaction as me as a player and these players, it doesn't. Um, and, going down a goal or two, it doesn't. Um, it's just, and again, that that's, you know, there there's Bruce can only do so much, uh, when the whistle blows and the 11 players are out there, you know, they've got to step up and I don't really see a lot of, a lot of guys stepping up and, and, um, being leaders as, you know, LaSalle's even goes quiet sometimes for me as the captain. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's just, it's bad everywhere. I think they just, it just need to be a, a clean slate for, um, for coaching and identity on the team and hopefully the players can respond to that.
0: Yeah. So, so putting you on a spot here, Justin, quick fire decision, Newcastle stay up, Newcastle go down.
1: Um, they go down. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I, and I'm, and I try to be really positive about it. I'm trying to be positive <laughs> and look at uh, look at the fixtures of the other teams, um, you know, who are right around us, but honestly it's, it's down in Newcastle and Fulham at this part, this point. And um, you know, I think Fulham are a better team. And I honestly, you know, I was, I I know I was telling you what a week ago, I said, my prediction was Fulham beat us on the last day to send us down. And honestly, I could see it happening well before that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Zach Uh, Zach made that point a couple of podcasts ago. We won't go down on the final day because we'll be relegated before that. So (laughs) it's true. Uh, I think, yeah.
1: I mean, even before Sheffield, the second to last game, I could see it being over. So
0: yeah. One of our one of our colleagues on uh, on coming up, Newcastle actually said that Newcastle won't finish in 18th because they'll get caught by West Brom and Sheffield United. Yet, so, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit pessimistic. Never say never. There.
1: Never say yeah. never. <laughs> so,
0: so to your point, you said Fulham and Newcastle will be fighting it out for 18th. So by that token, you probably think Brighton are safe at this point on 32 points.
1: Uh, yeah, I think they are. Um, you know, I'm looking at their fixture list I have here. They've got a tough fixture list. They got Man U. Um, West Ham, Man City, Arsenal—that's a tough last three. West Ham, Man City, Arsenal to, to end the year. Um, I just think that, yeah, I think I think they they're probably going to have enough points out of those to to be safe. I think it's really going to come down to Newcastle and Fulham as as the last two.
0: Yep. Uh, yep, I agree with you there, and I do think Newcastle go down at this point unless something changes and we get and we get rid of Steve Bruce. Um, that might be the only chance I think we've got at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at Newcastle. It's Tottenham, Burnley, West Ham, Liverpool, Leicester, Man City. Oof. I mean, where where do you see a point out of that? <laughs> I don't see. A lot I mean, of honestly,
0: you just can't. It's it's
1: it's, it's yeah. going to take an absolute miracle. There's just no points there. So,
0: yep. Cal- Callum Wilson and Alan St. Maxman to come back is maybe the only glimmer of hope there. But I mean, with Steve Bruce in charge. Who knows? they will probably start Saint Maximin at left back and Callum Wilson in goal. <laughs> um, just it wouldn't, wouldn't. Yeah, I, I mean, just, at this yeah, point.
1: You know, and real quick uh, before one one other. You know, we'll talk about specific players. You know, one player who uh, has been a big disappointment. I look back at some of the the games that we played really really well and got some wins this season, and th- this one player was on the field in a lot of those matches, and it was uh, Lewis Jamal Lewis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, at uh, left back. You go look. You know, go look at. Um, the first half of the season and any of the wins, he, that player, you know, he was on the field. And interestingly, why, why, you know, why is he being dropped? Uh, why are players like those not not playing any longer? It's just
0: yeah. mind blowing. So a couple of defensive lapses, I think, that people will point to for that. But I mean, he does offer a little bit more going forward than than Dummett does, and I don't think necessarily Dummett's been great um, yeah. since he's, since he's come back. I'm surprised that he's been getting the start, to be honest but I digress. Uh, I, I agree. I think Newcastle will go down unless some, some major changes happen here soon. Okay. So let's pivot up to the other half of the table in the top half. What, what a game at the London stadium, West Ham and Arsenal, mm-hmm. um, on Sunday morning, it was a great one to watch West Ham scoring three goals in the first half inside about 15, 20 minutes, Going at halftime three nil. And then, um, we see at halftime, just a I don't know what he said in the dressing room at halftime, Mikel (laughs) Arteta, but they came out a different side, Arsenal, in the second half, and they came back to take a 0.33. I don't think it really ultimately helps either team here. I think both teams, Arsenal, would have gone into this hoping that they would win against West Ham, continuing to try and push up the table. West Ham will be obviously disappointed to concede a three goal or to really drop a three goal lead at home. Uh, we've now got West Ham two points shy of Chelsea in fifth and Arsenal nine points off the champions league places. So a great game, but I think the talking point for me here is these are two teams. You, you'd probably be expecting them to be the opposite kind of like positions in the table that they are. You'd probably expect to see Arsenal and fifth just missing out on the champions league again <laughs> and, and West Ham kind of right around the middle of the, the table in, in ninth position. And that's the opposite of what we have right now. So let's talk about the European prospects for both these teams. Justin, do you see West Ham currently in fifth being able to hang on and get a European place under Moyes? Cause it'd be nothing short of a miracle if they did. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's a miracle. I'm um, cause I'm actually going to go on a limb and I'm going to say, I, I think they can, I really think they can listen. It's been, it's been a weird enough year <laughs> as it is. Um, yes, it is. Why not throw something else weird in there that, that, that could happen. Um, but here's why. So I think, you know, as we'll get to a little later, um, Tottenham has been distracted by some European football. And that is, that's over. So, you know, that's not necessarily um, in their way any longer. But Liverpool still is uh, playing. So mm-hmm. I kind of see a situation where, you know, at least with Liverpool, they're a little distracted with Europe. Um, and as far as they've fallen, not going to be in contention for the title this year. That might be their only hope. And I could see West Ham um, kind of sneaking in and taking advantage of, um, you know, Tottenham's issue with Marino and then Liverpool still playing in Europe and and making it happen. So,
0: yeah, this season is definitely the season to do it. If they're going to, you know, overperform, there are other teams. West Ham have lost eight games. Spurs and Liverpool have lost nine. Everton have lost 10. Arsenal have lost 11. To your point, they're -hmm. playing really well. Um, And I made this shout um, a couple of weeks ago on the pod I think Moyes has got to be in there in contention for manager of the season this year. Right. Oh yeah. Yep. In terms of of expectations versus reality.
1: Yeah. No, I remember talking with you over the summer and we, you know, look at the teams that, you know, transfers coming in and out and just being like, Ooh, man, West West Ham has got some work to do Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: did not expect them to be anywhere near uh, where they're at the table. I mean, I expected them to be down with, with us fighting for, 13th to 15th place possibly yep. so it's been great
0: yep credit to them i think that's a great great performance so far to date 49 points out of 29 games comfortably safe for another season hope they hope they can kick on here on the other hand arsenal 42 points from 29 they are right now nine points off the top four and they are seven points off of west ham in fifth place in european qualification but they are still in the europa league we'll get to that here a little bit later in the pod so my question for you then is Justin is can Arsenal qualify for Europe from league position alone, or are they really reliant on their performance in the Europa league in terms of getting themselves into Europe again this year?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be through Europe, Europa league. I don't think it's going to be through uh, the league table. Um, you know, like I had just said about West Ham, you know, I can see them as a team who with Tottenham and Liverpool possibly distracted with, um, uh, their passing continuing Europe play. Um, I still think Tottenham and Liverpool are going um, to still be well ahead of Arsenal. They're not, they're not going to open enough doors for them to, to sneak into the league table. So, And honestly, I think they've got a little bit of a tough, a tough road ahead in the Europa League too. I don't think it's going to be just a piece of cake to, uh, to get that spot back through there either. So we'll see. Yeah, I,
0: I agree. I think that their best chance of getting into Europe this season will be via the Europa League. Do you think that's enough? for the management at arsenal you think arteta is safe if they don't qualify for europe this season would it be seen as a failure obviously they won the um the community shield at the beginning of this season fa cup last season he's brought some silver and immediately he's trying to build a team there do you think that you know they'll they'll give him a little bit of rope and another summer transfer window to do the business i think so yeah
1: um
0: like you said, I think if, if
1: had not brought in, you know, the silverware uh, already, that might be an issue, but um, they, you know, management there, they historically like to, to have a long-term manager as we know. Um, and I think they kind of want to build that again with somebody who's young. I don't see them throwing them out so quick. I think they'll at least give them one more year to prove himself. Yeah. But, but it's got to happen next year. It's, I mean, if, if it doesn't, if what you said, you know, doesn't pan out for this year, it's got to happen in one year. Otherwise that's probably
0: it. Yep. I, I agree. I think, you know, he's obviously an ex player for Arsenal um, and is beloved by the fans there, especially in a year of COVID where you've not really had any fans in the stadium. It'd be great to see kind of um, th- the Arsenal fans back and supporting the team there. Yep. All right. So, so to wrap up our, um, our weekend fixtures for the premier league um, Villa lost two 0 at home to Spurs. won't go too deep into this one, but Villa really lacking that cutting edge again, no Grealish, um, Spurs obviously had just gone out of the um, the Europa League, so we're looking for a performance there. Um, I think where we talk about this game, not, not a lot to talk about really for the game itself. It was a pretty def- much defensively better performance from Spurs than I've seen in recent games from them. And Villa again just looked like they're just not creating enough, um, and not really putting enough chances away. Uh, Villa are 10th now on 41 points. I don't think they're going to qualify for Europe, they're absolutely safe. For me, that's kind of right where they should be, right right around the middle of the table. I think they underperformed last year. Would you agree, sir?
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's um, – I think probably if I looked at my prediction table, I probably had them 10th to 12th, maybe a little more pessimistic on them. But, um, no, I think that's where they're at. I think, they're, you know, you look at um, how they've been playing in this game alone, and, um, you know, I think what is had you mentioned that Grealish is still, still out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, th- I know he is what, t- I think he's tied for third in EPL assists um, right now with 10. So you look at that and even just watching them, you know, I do not have to look at the stats, even just watching him, you know, he's the anchor of that team um, mm-hmm. and everything and everything really runs through him. So that's, that's a blessing that kind of, kind of be a curse for them. I think there's going to be some rebuilding they need to do because if you have that one player who can really dynamic and, you rely on it. it's it's great to have them but they go injured or you know, something else happens and
0: yeah to your point they're, they're, they... they're putting a lot of stock in him as a player right you know sure. in terms of they don't, don't have a lot of other options outside of that that's uh, good great point and, and then on the other side of that spurs you know for all the the talk about jose Mourinho, they are in sixth position on 48 points same number of games played as chelsea on 51 points they're not that far back they absolutely have a chance Of qualifying for the Champions League next season, Um, so I I think you know there. We'll get into Spurs a little bit here when we do our Europa League segment here shortly, but at the same time, I think you know he was brought in to win trophies, and um, they're they're certainly not going to be anywhere near winning the Premier League trophy this season. But what we're wanting to see is progress, right? We're wanting to see him putting his stamp on it. Does this look like a Jose Mourinho team for you at the moment?
1: No it doesn't um well and maybe we can dive into this a little bit later but it it doesn't um but it's it's starting to Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i can kind of dive in a little bit more because um it's not a team of his of the past um but uh i think there are some things about maybe him and kind of where he's headed as a manager um that i have opinions on where um it it might be and i just don't see it going to be i don't i don't see it being the recipe for success for long term with him and tottenham
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I was looking at the defensive record of Spurs and, you know, you you typically associate um, Mourinho with defensive minded teams and tight teams at the back and they have the third best defensive record in the league. Only second to uh, only third to, I should say, Manchester City and Chelsea have better defensive records than them. So he's doing a lot right there. I just don't think he's performing in the big games where he needs to. They're, they're blowing out teams 4 and 5 nil and when they're on, they're on. They look really good. Um, but the consistency is what he's been lacking, and Mourinho teams of the past have had that in spades. So I think we need to see more from them. I think we will see more from them as the season progresses, and we'll get into a little bit more Mourinho conversation here in just a bit, Justin. Uh, before we do, EPL top scorers right now. We haven't done this for a few pods, so I wanted to give a quick recap Mo Salah and Harry Kane are top of the scoring charts with 17 goals. Bruno Fernandez, what a player he is, 16 yep. goals on the season. And then in, on 14 goals and tied for fourth place, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who obviously has been out injured a little bit recently, and then Patrick Bamford, who we spent quite a bit of time talking about earlier in the pod. On the assist side, Harry Kane has 13 on the season. KDB, no surprise there, has 11. And then Bruno Fernandez and Jack Grealish. Um, have 10 apiece. So obviously re-emphasizing your point there about Grealish and the importance that he has to Aston Villa. All right, Justin, before we go to commercial break, I wanted to give you our EPL trivia first clue. Are you ready, sir? I
1: am ready. I think I'm going to need it too. So let's hear it. What do you got? All
0: right. So reminder for our listeners and for you, Justin, on the original question, which club can claim the lowest home attendance in Premier League history with just 3,039 total fans in the stands that day, here's your first clue. This game took place in January 1993, and the home side's opponents were Everton. Everton. So you're trying to guess the team uh-huh. home home game against Everton in the beginning of 1993. Is that helping or hindering at this point? Uh, I feel like it might
1: be. It might. This might be a, a ge- geographical uh hint. okay, okay. That's, what, that's what i'm kind of going with here so it might, okay. might be helping if I, if I
0: if it's not a geographical hint <laughs> then i'm where the hell off but <laughs> <laughs> all right sounds good well, we'll have one more clue for you uh, before we end the pod today and of course we'll give you the answer uh, but before that we are going to go to a quick commercial break and here's a word from our sponsors All right, welcome back to the False Nines. I'm here with Justin this week, and we've just had a great conversation about the Premier League. We're going to move on now, though, to the Europa League fixtures from last week's. Lots to talk about here, Justin, uh, including two English teams going through, Arsenal and Manchester United, through to the last eight after good wins against Olympiacos and AC Milan, respectively. We lost Steven Gerrard's Rangers, recent um, Scottish EPL champs to Slavia Prague. They were knocked out 3-1 in aggregate. But here's the talking point I want to get into here. We talked about them just before the commercial break. Um, Spurs, obviously, losing two, losing a 2-0 lead after the first leg, winning at White Hart Lane 2-0 um, in the first game. And then the return game against Zagreb, playing against a team whose manager was in prison, Justin. In prison <laughs> for fraud. But to me, it looked like the only frauds in this game the starting allowance <laughs> for for Spurs. Uh, what was the deal <laughs>
1: with that? I, I I heard about this, but I didn't know the whole situation. Real quick, what what was the. Fr- some sort of of, in
0: prison not after the game but while it was happening he was in he's in prison and i I think he's in prison for a while um he got convicted of fraud uh they haven't picked a full-time manager yet so technically he's still the manager um but they had a caretaker came in and was taking charge of the game There, really (laughs) interesting really interesting set of circumstances um but they took it to extra time one two nil in in regular time and then um spurs looked like they actually woke up after they went two nil down but um Zagreb won it 3-2 on aggregate they scored another goal in in extra time and knocked out Mourinho Spurs. So so that's the talking point here right. Yeah. Mourinho was brought in to win trophies. Um Pochettino got them to the Champions League final and lost to Liverpool. Mourinho defeated by relative minnows in the grand scheme of things here and you look at the status of the two clubs and Dinamo Zagreb. Are they any better off as a team Spurs? than they were under pochettino at this point
1: i mean no i mean if marino is getting um you know he's losing games to what from coaching going on in a prison on a phone or something however <laughs> that worked <laughs> um but no i mean seriously I, I i don't i don't think they are um and honestly i think kind of what i was alluding to earlier with uh, my my thoughts on marino is um you know Tactics and all that aside, or the the team he has, um, I just think that he's he's starting to kind of drift in this um, this realm of you know being thought a little bit too much of a savior, and I think he's start kind of getting found out. Um, and it kind of makes me remi- it, make, it reminds me of the um, that saying that's like um, you're not really in love with somebody you're just in the you're in love with the idea of them. Yeah, and I kind of feel like that's Marino now. Like he mm-hmm. just jumps from club to club, and they everybody wants him because you know he he they, they love the idea of him but really who he is as a coach i think is kind of starting to slip and we're starting to see some cracks and um i think he's he's passes his best days so yeah um that's my two cents um I always thought he was coming to us an odd manager anyway um i mean he he got the best out of teams he he definitely has but something's changed so
0: yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. You think about Pochettino. He did not win any trophies for Spurs. However, he took them to the Champions League final. He took them to within a win of the Premier League title when Leicester um, pipped Spurs to the title uh, in the Premier League several seasons ago. Mourinho has won plenty of trophies and he still got a chance to win a trophy this season. They're playing next month sure. in the Carabao Cup final against Manchester City. City, who are on for the quadruple, by the way. Um, don't forget that yeah Um, that's going to be a really tough game for them but it is a one-off game where he could potentially bring some silverware to the Spurs faithful I think you have to kind of give him through the end of the season and as we talked about just a few minutes ago they do still have a natural path to the Champions League next season by nature of their league qualifying position this year so what do you think is the minimum requirement for Jose to keep his job because right now Jose Mourinho is the number one favorite ahead of Steve Bruce miraculously to lose his job. What keeps him his job this season, Justin?
1: Um, I think they got to find a way to qualify for Europe. Um, I mean, where are they sitting in the, um, again, you know, they're, they're sitting in sixth behind West Ham. So, you know, the conversation we had earlier, do I think West Ham is going to pull that off? Yes, I do. Um, but I think for him to really keep his job, he's got to find a way to, to fight back and make sure he, he's in one of those spots for um, a European spot through the, through the league um, this yeah. year, I think, I think at a very minimum. I think outside of that, um, you know, you're out of any other Cups, especially if they lose that, you know, that, um, that game versus City. Uh, the, I think that's the final of the Carabao Cup, you said, yeah. especially if they lose that and you've fallen out of uh, Europe League, and you're not making Europe through, um, through the table. Yep. I don't. I don't. I mean, what else? What else could you do?
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, it's you've actually segued me beautifully into the next topic, which is Harry Kane. Mm-hmm. So Harry Kane walking off the field against um, Dinamo Z- Zagreb looked dejected. He looked pretty pissed off if I'm if I'm honest and and rightly so because this is a player that a couple seasons ago was playing in a Champions League final and now he's being knocked out by these minnows in Zagreb sure Harry Kane deserves to be playing in a better tournament than the Europa League in my eyes and if the minimum requirement for Jose Mourinho to keep his job is qualifying for Europe I personally don't think that is enough to keep harry kane at spurs now he is a spurs lifer it would seem right but he's 27 he's turning 28 he's joint top scorer in the premier league he's top assistor in the premier league pretty much one of the most complete all-round players that we've seen at least this season and is an incredible goal scorer is it time for harry kane to move on
1: yeah i think i mean i think the only person that can um can say that as Harry Kane himself, but my opinion would be, you know, he must, um, he must have those ambitions, right? He must have championship, I'm sorry, champions league and ambitions um, to be in it continuously or, or uh, for a chance to win or to win the league. And I think that's a big one. I mean, you look at, we just talked about he's leading the goals and assist. He's always at the top almost every season, right? I think he was the goal leader in 15, 16, um, maybe it was a year or two after that, but what, um, there's gotta be a must for him for his career. And I would think wanting to win the league with a team is going to be a must for him. I mean, everything he's, he's doing for England. Um, you know, I kind of thought of a comparison for him that you're going to mm-hmm. love. I want to bring out to you, mm-hmm. um, you know, because a lot we hear a lot of these these topics about uh, you know American players, you know American football players. You know, they want to win a, um, you know, they want to win a Super Bowl, so they for go to a team just so they can win a Super Bowl. I mean, look at Matt Stafford, for example. Oh no, with, with my Detroit Lions. <laughs> <laughs> for for, you know, for
0: listeners that don't know this, I am not a Matt Stafford fan.
1: I just had to bring that up. <laughs> but look at somebody like this, you know, somebody who's talented, somebody who is breaking a lot of records in their in their um, position. But what do they really want? You know, why is he moving on? Yeah, He's moving on to a new team because he wants to win a Super Bowl somewhere. Yeah. Okay. It's, you know, I see the same thing with Harry Kane. You know, playing the top of his game, playing for England, leading the league in goals. But there's got to be something else that he wants. So yeah. I, I agree. I see him moving on.
0: That's a great point. I think the, the, as much as I don't like it, the comparison with Stafford is, (laughs) is a really good one, right? I mean, he's clearly better than the lions uh, in terms of you look at the quality across that team. And I think the same is true for Harry Kane. You look at the quality across the Spurs team, probably Hyung Min Son and obviously Gareth Bale accepted. Um, You know, we, we he's, he's, he's far and away the best player on that team. So, so you think potentially, yes, the time is right to move on where is the most natural fit for a Harry Kane? And it doesn't need to be in England. It could be anywhere across Europe that he could be playing. You think about Gareth Bale's left Spurs before to go to, um, to go to Real Madrid and has made a good name for himself there. Um, Where would he, where would he want to go? Where do you think is the next logical step if Harry Kane does leave Spurs? Well,
1: man, that is a great question. Um, Yeah, I, I don't know if I have a specific club in mind. Um, I think he, he stays um, in, in Europe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I don't see him going somewhere exotic. Um, just not probably in his thing, but um, I could, I don't know why. I will just off a hinge. I could see him kind of going somewhere um, like Spain or Portugal. Hmm. Um, I, I feel like. Yeah, I don't know. Just kind of a gut feeling. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, do you have any,
0: any specific have any clubs or obvious countries or names? I just thought one, one of the things I thought about here, and, and I I know that he's friends with this player, and obviously they played together in the England setup, is Kieran Trippier. Kieran uh, Trippier mm-hmm. made, made the leap um, to La Liga. I think that, you know, if they could afford him, and I don't think that they probably could right now, Barcelona need to start rebuilding a team and what better talisman to build a team around than Sir Harold Kane, right? He's, he's a quality striker. Um, They've lost Suarez. They've lost Neymar. They've lost all sorts of talent. Messi is probably gone. We'll get there in a second at the end of the season when his contract expires. Um, That'd be a great team for him to go to. If he stayed domestic, if he stayed in England, Oh man, can you imagine him at Chelsea? Like they, they, they really don't have that great center forward right now. Abraham is good. Abraham is good. Mm-hmm. Giroud is coming to the twilight of his career. Can you imagine putting Harry Kane in that Chelsea team? Oh my word. That would be yeah. formidable.
1: Yeah, they would, I mean they would be they would be more unstoppable than I've already um, become or are becoming but um and Barcelona. You think I mean that's a big name but you know I think when we get into Messi here in a little bit you know people might think, think you're crazy you know Messi you know Harry Kane coming in to take a, the spot of Messi but I really think with their age difference and where they're at in their careers right now, that's not as far-fetched of an idea.
0: No, I don't don't think so either. I mean, like, Harry Kane has been top scorer in international tournaments in the past. Like, this is a player who is renowned on an international stage. He's not just a good Mm -hmm. player for Spurs. He's got a lot of credibility on a worldwide stage, so... I think that the time is right for Harry Kane Kane to leave Spurs. I agree with you there. He, this is probably going to be the last move for him. I would think, um, you know, he's, he's going to be 28. That's really the twilight of the career. This is the time you want to move. He deserves a big payday and I hope he gets it. Um, Mm-hmm. And, I, and I hope for him that he's he's successful because he's been a top-class player and a great servant to Spurs over, over a number of years here. So uh, on the Europa League, kind of um, just wrapping that up, last eight here, we've got Arsenal against Slavia Prague. Slavia Prague, who, of course, eliminated Rangers. Granada versus Manchester United. That'll be an interesting one. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody expected Granada to do much there. Roma versus Ajax, that's going to be a top-quality game. And Villarreal, good Spanish team there. Very good European pedigree as well against Dinamo Zagreb, the giant killers, if you will. And then the last four, the interesting part about both tournaments here, the last four is actually already draw has already been made. So we know that Arsenal and Manchester United are in separate halves of the draw, which could potentially lead to an Arsenal Manu final. So Arsenal or Slavia Prague will play Villarreal or Zagreb, and then Granada or Manu um, have Roma or Ajax awaiting them. A tough game, assuming Manu makes it through there then when we talk about the odds for the um, the winners of the tournament Manchester United are favorites currently at 6 to 4 Arsenal are at 11 to 4 then in, in this order we have Villarreal Ajax Roma Granada Slavia Prague and then Dinamo Zagreb at 40 to 1 outsiders <laughs> who, do you, who do you see potentially winning this one Justin who, who who's your favorite
1: well, if Zagreb can get their uh, manager out of prison, I think that they go all the way. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Here's hoping. <laughs> Here's hoping. Um, no, you know, I. it's kind of tough because uh, before I saw the last four fixtures here, I think I would have just easily said Man U. I think that they're probably, uh, on paper, one of the stronger teams there. Except that draw, um, you said, you know, the Roma-Ix game is going to be really, really good. And I see Ix winning that. Um, and I think they are a surprise team. Um, I don't, I can't remember all the details, but in the last couple of years, they have gotten a lot of really good youth and has started a really exciting project there mm-hmm. that I think is um, is coming around. So I just kind of have a, a gut feeling that that's going to be tough. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go off on a limb. I'm gonna say, I, th- I think, man, you were gonna struggle. I think IX are gonna kind of come under the radar a little bit here and uh i'm gonna go with them at the six to one odds
0: all right i like that that's a good yep. good good outside bet there um the obvious one here is manchester united fought out the champions league and are playing well knocked off ac milan i'm gonna go with arsenal here um 11 mm. to 4 a couple seasons ago they were in the final of this tournament they lost to chelsea um i think that when you when you look at uh Mikel arteta He's set up for these one-off games, right? The consistency in the Premier League hasn't been there, but when he's been up for it, you know, he's really performed and his team have performed. So I think that Arsenal may lift the trophy this year. And if they do, Justin, that will give them a route back into the Champions League for the first time in many, many seasons. So Arsenal will be be my Mm shout.
1: I would like to see them win it, actually. So yeah, that that would be fun.
0: Yep. All right, so on to the Champions League. Let's get to the big boys here. Liverpool, Chelsea, and Manchester City all through to the quarterfinals. Pretty convincingly in in all aspects here. Porto have made it through. Um, Bayern and Real Madrid and PSG all went through convincingly as well. And then Dortmund is the final team um, who kind of um, make up the last eight there. Let's start with the English teams, though. I think the one I want to focus on here, the most surprising... In, in terms of how comfortable it was for me, was Chelsea. Um, La Liga leaders, Atletico Madrid this season, looking good. They knocked out Liverpool in last season's tournament. And Chelsea came in and they turned them over and beat them 3-0 on aggregate. This is an Atletico team that are known to be great defensively. Here's a stat for you, Justin, before you give me your thoughts on Chelsea. Since Thomas Tuchel has came in, in 14 games in all competitions, Chelsea have conceded how many goals, sir?
1: um conceded oh just
0: throw a number at me there
1: um since he's come in when when was it 14 games yeah. in january he came 14 in. games in january they've conceded 16
0: they've conceded two goals oh my gosh chelsea wow. have conceded two goals one i against- thought they have had a like- Sheffield's are games no sheffield united and um southampton are the only two teams to score against thomas tuchel's defense
1: i know they're undefeated right five wins and two draws i know that but i thought Mm -hmm. they were oh man i was i was mistaken on the goals wow that's impressive
0: they're they're really keeping it tight at the back and he's he's doing a great job so for me when you look at that chelsea have got to be a great outside bet for this tournament right yeah
1: i think they are again like i just said you know uh, undefeated since he's come in. Um, and they're, they're so, so impressive to, to watch. Um, you know, we talked about earlier when we were um, ragging on Steve Bruce about, you know, the the influx of some of these younger, uh, tactical managers that are coming in and he is one of them. Um, you know, he come in and you, you see him, you know, he's running that three at the back uh, beautifully and just the freedom that the players have, um, and the, transition from offense to defense everybody knows their role it's so smooth um i mean they they probably are a top one or two for me uh in the champions league here to win nice
0: sure. yeah chelsea've been really impressive Um, On to a couple of other teams, Porto with a great win after an incredible game, (laughs) after extra time, um, knocking out Juventus on away goals. Definitely the shock of the last 16 in terms of results there. And then we had Bayern and Real Madrid making it through pretty comfortably. And then PSG just completely rolling over Barcelona in these two games. Mbappe, the star of the the two legs, Mm -hmm. certainly. Um, But let's talk a little bit about Lionel Messi here. His contract's up at the end of the season. They're out of the Champions League. Is this the last time that we see Lionel Messi play in Europe for Barcelona?
1: Um, I think so. I mean, it's it's been talked about for well a, a couple of years now. You know, every year is going to be the year that he's going to be done. And there's this interesting dynamic where you kind of feel like since he's been there his entire life and everything that the club has done for him, you know, even to a personal level with some of the things that he's gone through, you get this feeling that he, he has really owed it to them and almost owed his entire career to them. Mm -hmm. Um, But we saw this last year or two, some strains in that relationship. So I I think it's done. Um, He's turned 34 in June. And I think that he he's on to, to end his career somewhere else.
0: And that that leads me to my next question, where, right? Who can afford, on a free transfer, who can afford Lionel Messi's wages? (laughs) At 34 years old, like, you're not going to get a huge return on investment there, right? Obviously, he's an aging player in the twilight of his career. Realistically, the only two teams that can afford him, and would they want him, would be PSG or Man City, in my eyes. Teams with, like, bottomless pockets, right? That's for me. Is there anybody else that you could see him going to?
1: Um... I mean, there might be a rich, one of the rich rich Russian teams or something that might be able to afford him. I don't see him going there, though. Um, You know, I know with uh, PSG, he could have the, you know, he could reunite with Neymar and have that relationship. So that makes the sense, most sense. Um,
0: Yeah. And the Guardiola relationship at City, too. It is.
1: It is. Mm -hmm. Yep. So there there are some interesting things. I I do want to bring up one thing. Um, I saw an interesting article today uh, from ESPN on Messi. And it was talking about, um, you know, David Beckham's new project in inner Miami. Now don't laugh yet (laughs) because we're talking (laughs) about the wages, but um, it was interesting about how their goal is really to bring in the Neymar, the Messi, Ronaldo and cater to these players to come there. Um, Do I think it's going to happen now with the wages? Uh, Absolutely not. But it's an interesting thing that I think in years past, mm-hmm. the US has been this landing zone for some of the, um, you know Ibrahimovic's, Rooney's, Harlo, you know, to come, you know, it's the, the retirement league. But I think the inner Miami wants to do something a little bit different and kind of bring a couple of these guys maybe a little earlier than when they' were about ready to retire. So just an interesting thing I wanted to bring up. Um, maybe after one more jump to somewhere like PSG or Man City, Yep. Might see him uh, end his career somewhere like that.
0: That would be f- phenomenal. And what, what a story that would be. I think, you know, there are a lot of fair weather fans in the United States, um, s- especially on the MLS side. Um, but to have a player like him in the league, I think would certainly be, it's like when Beckham came over, right? It's just going right. to yep. be su- such a huge draw for them. Um, great, great points. I, I love that. I, I agree. I think that this is probably the end of Lionel Messi at Barcelona at the end of this season. I wouldn't be shocked to see him go to Manchester city just because I think they can afford it. And I think he has that pre-established relationship with Guardiola. That'd be my bet if I was going anywhere, but I love that outside shout of the, of the MLS there. I think that's Mm a very interesting one for him too. All right. So on to the last day, the draw for the last day has been made real Madrid versus Liverpool um, is going to be a huge one. Obviously two teams with great pedigree, Played in the final of the Champions League um, a couple seasons ago. Now I think we watched that one together, didn't we? In the uh, yep, we did. In the, yep. in the Three Lions, that was Gareth Gareth yeah, Bale's, yeah. Bales overtake. Oh, <laughs> I love that one. Right. Yeah. that'll be an epic one. I think Zidane versus Klopp in a, in a battle of wits there as managers will be will be really good to watch. We've got City against Dortmund. Erling Holland, obviously the big story there, coming back to play in Manchester where his father played. Um, Alfenka Holland ha- as well. Um, Bayern against PSG in a rematch of last season's final. That's going to be a huge one. Mm -hmm. And then Porto against Chelsea. Obviously, Porto, the underdogs in that one, but they've shown that they can mix it up with the big boys by eliminating Juve in the last round. So I think those will be really interesting. And then the last four are already pre-established. We've got Bayern or PSG versus Man City or Dortmund. In some ways, I'm a little disappointed that City and Bayern are in the same half of the draw because that was the final that I was hoping I would see. And then the other side, Real Madrid or Liverpool versus Porto or Chelsea. So I'll ask you this, Justin, really to wrap up our thoughts on the Champions League. Who's who's your favorite at this point? Who do you think, even based on that draw, right? We've got two English teams in one side of the draw and City in the other side with Bayern, PSG, and Dortmund potentially um that could, could take them out. Who's your money on for the Champions League this year?
1: Um man, I really, really want to go with um with Chelsea. I, I feel like um they from everything that we said, it just kind of it kind of feels right that uh, it's it's their time. Um I really think it's gonna be Bayern in my heart. Um they're just such a powerhouse. I mean, Man City, a little bit better odds here, but, um, and they've got the experience. It seems like they're there every single year, uh, the final four, just about. Um, So I I think Byron's going to pull it out. That's really what I feel.
0: I think it's city's year this year. I think this is, I think that um, Pep Guardiola wins the champions league wins the FA cup already has won the premier league wins Mm -hmm. the Carabao cup against Jose Mourinho wins the quadruple rides off into the sunset on a unicorn <laughs> and um, leaves manchester city and is on to the next project that's 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 my opinion you think you leave if, you think yes, leaves? absolutely i think After, if he, yeah when he wins when not if he wins oh when yeah he I'm wins sorry, the, sorry. Champ, <laughs> the champions league no uh-huh. i mean in, in general if it doesn't happen this year he's going to stick around until he does right but i think when he sure. does win the champions league that's the end of guardiola at manchester city i think he's done everything what else is there to achieve at that point
1: yeah. Well, that would kind of throw some, um, some, you know, issues and when we go back to like the messy conversation, things like that. So that'd be interesting to see if, if that happened, uh, how that would mix up a lot of the different things that we talked about in situations, but yeah, we'll see.
0: Yep. It's going to be an interesting one. All right. Well, well, thank you, sir. Um, good, good recap on the champions league there. We're going to wrap up the pod now with, um, 10 and 90, and then we'll give you the answer to the trivia question for this week. Uh, I'll go first then on this one, Justin, just give you a little bit of taster of how 10 and 90 goes here. All right, all right. Uh, and then you can give me some questions I know you have prepared a theme for me too. So Justin, let me ask you this question. What year were you born, my friend?
1: 1983.
0: 1983, I knew that. So what I did was I pre- prepared a bunch of questions for you five questions in total here on the 1982 1983 season in England. <laughs> you, you ready for this one sir
1: yeah i'm gonna remember all these as they <laughs> happen i'm sure <laughs>
0: <For> <laughs> <good>. <laughs> all right who won the first division now obviously the premier league in the 1982 83 season nice easy one to start
1: who won it in eighty two, eighty mm-hmm. three? Um,
0: no, nope, no, looking it up on your phone or on your computer. No, nope, nope. nope. Hands up, nope. hands up, hand right. right. check. <laughs>
1: um, let's see, eighty
0: two, eighty three. Take a stab around who might have been successful around that sort of time.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, Impressive. Was that was that Liverpool's first big run? Was it Liverpool?
0: Oh, it was Liverpool. yeah All okay. right. Yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Bob Paisley's final season in charge of Liverpool and Liverpool. I thought they had that
1: early the, 80s run there. Yeah.
0: Won the league that season, qualified for the European Cup the next year. All right. Who was the second division's top scorer in the 1982-83 season? <laughs> with 26 goals. It is a name that you'll know. Um, a fairly, fairly big name, um, and took his team. Up to the first division that season.
1: Leading the score uh in 82-83 in the second division. Um
0: I'll give you one more clue because I'm feeling generous. Okay. Uh he played for Leicester and was a top scorer for Leicester in 82-83. Took them back into the first division.
1: Mm. No idea. Well, I didn't have Leicester on the radar at all. Host of match of
0: the day oh really Gary Lineker
1: Lineker really
0: wow Gary Lineker yeah okay nice all right which team was relegated from the first division in 1982-83 yet still qualified for the UEFA Cup Winners Cup that next season (laughs) lucky (laughs) bastards (laughs) Um,
1: relegated Uh uh-huh uh no clue i'm just gonna throw everton
0: uh it wasn't it was okay. swansea city swansea okay and swansea got into the cup winners cup by winning the 1983 welsh cup which is a tournament that i have watched Comarthen win in the past oh wow and no okay. longer no longer has a european spot attributed to it yeah interesting so, yep yeah. interesting one for sure all right question number four which legendary liverpool striker who also played for Newcastle during his career, won the PFA Young Player of the Year at 21 years of age in that same season. So, debut season, PFA Young Player of the Year, Liverpool legend, played for Newcastle at one point in his career. Oh, my gosh, I'm blanking. I'll give you one more clue. Yeah, give me one more. I have him on one of my jerseys.
1: You have him on one of your jerseys.
0: One of my Newcastle ones. What's the theme that I have on my Newcastle jerseys? Is it speed? It's no, not. he's
1: way he's way too young mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's
0: I, I get all Wales players on my. jerseys. You get speed on almost all your jerseys. That's all I can <laughs> I think do. Of. I but do love Gary Speed. That's before his time. Yeah, he's a, he's a Welsh player. Liverpool legend. No. Nope. Ian Rush. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. yep There you go. Yep. All right. You got a 50 50 chance here on this final question, Justin. You ready? Yeah. Let's do it. Who finished higher in the league in 1982 or 1983?
1: Newcastle or Sunderland? <laughs> <laughs> um man, I feel like we were <laughs> this was before we were good, so we were probably just as bad. So I'm gonna say uh, Sunderland finished higher.
0: Yep. Sunderland finished in sixth, <laughs> 16th in the first division. Did not get relegated. Newcastle finished in fifth in the second division. Did not get promoted. Just uh, promotion spots. I got two. You got, yeah, you did pretty good. Actually, I was I was quite impressed. Actually, how did you get two? You didn't get two. Oh, you got Sunderland. Yeah. You, you, I got two. the first one. You got the first one. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. I do this for Zach every podcast. I'll do it for you as well. Um, I know you've listened to the pod before, so hopefully this isn't too Too much of a surprise for you. A bonus question for you, Justin. I want you to pronounce this Welsh word. I will spell it for you. (laughs) (laughs) F-E-I, and feel free to write it down if it's easier. I am, I am. F-E-I-R-W-S.
1: F-E-I-R-W-S. Yes. Heirs. Fairs. Fairs. airs.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's actually Ferus
1: Okay. I thought maybe the F was silent. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Do you know what Fairus means? Do you know what it means? No idea. Fire. Virus.
0: Virus, <laughs> <laughs>
1: coronavirus.
0: I wanted to do a COVID-themed washword as <laughs> our friend Zachary is not able to make the pod today, but he's doing good. Love and precious design. All Nobody right, uh, your your turn, sir. Ten and ninety. You got some questions for me, I believe. I do, and I also
1: have a theme here. Um, so I am getting super excited this summer for the Euros, the Ooh. European Championships. So my theme is European Championships, Euros. Okay. So I've got some uh, around that. All right. Let's see here. Pretty easy. I don't think they're going to be as, uh, as difficult as yours, but here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. Um, so we'll start off easy. Okay. So what country has won the most European championships?
0: Oh, shit. You're, you're overestimating my knowledge of the Euros here. Um, won the most Euros... Let's go with Spain.
1: So that was a trick question. Okay. There are two who are tied for first. Okay. Is Spain Spain one of them? Spain is one of them.
0: Yes. (laughs) And
1: the other, you want to guess? Holland? Germany. Germany. Okay. So Germany and Spain with three each. Okay. Yep. All right. So number two. Uh, Let's see. Which team has appeared at the most European championships without winning a trophy?
0: Definitely not Spain or Germany. Um, Okay. Wait, have England won the Euros? I'm going England. Is it England? England. (laughs) (laughs) Nine times they've played
1: and they've 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 broke yeah, totally. my heart in euro 96 <laughs> Euro 96 was the
0: i watched that with my grandfather it was terrible like oh, yep. awful penalties again no 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 thank you
1: you got it england yep all right number three who was the top score at euro 2004
0: 2004 can you tell me where euro 2004 was that might help uh i don't know <laughs> okay that's a terrible I can, I can give you i can give you another uh Hint, if you'd like. A give, me, give, give me a hint. I'm trying to think who was big in 2004. That's 17 years ago now. He's Czech. Ooh.
1: It's like... Do you want his club team?
0: Yeah, go ahead. Played for Liverpool. Oh, my word. I was originally going to go with Carol Paborski, and that's <laughs> Manchester United. Um. The only name that keeps coming to me is Vladimir Smietcher. No, go ahead. You got me.
1: Milan Barros.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah. Barros. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Good player. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he was. was. I wouldn't have put him in the realms of top scorer in a European tournament. Good. I know, right? (laughs) That surprised me too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Cool. All right. Number four, who scored England's first goal at Euro 2012? It was only eight or nine years ago.
0: First goal. So group stages. Hmm. Want a hint? Yes, I'll need a hint for sure.
1: It was a header versus France.
0: Header versus France. So, given it was a header, it's a, bit a, it's a bit of a hint. A bit of a hint. I am going to go with a defender because I think you're trying to trick me here. And the defender I am going to go for is – I'm stalling here – Julian Lescott. You got it. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes.
1: Totally.
0: Amazing. Julian Lescott. Good in the air, dude. Yep. Not the best to look at. Good in the <laughs> air. <though.
1: laughs> nice. All, All right. right. And this one is special for you. Okay. Daniel Sturge scored England's last gas winner in their 2-1 victory over Wales – in Euro 2016. No, oh, fuck off. <laughs> Who scored the
0: equalizer? I try and forget that game because we <laughs> ended up doing we ended up doing better than them in the tournament anyway, so it was not not really that important. Um, literally the only game I remember from that tournament delirious was, was the game against Belgium. That was just amazing.
1: This player came on as a halftime
0: substitution for Harry Kane. Oh, so it's the English player that scored in the game, not yeah. the Welsh player.
1: Yeah. England, England, um, Daniel scored, scored England's last gas, last gas winner in their 2-1 victory over Wales, okay. who scored the equalizer. So Wales was up 1-0. Mm-hmm. Who scored the equalizer before Sturridge wins it? Mm. Halftime substitute for Harry
0: Kane. Kane. So probably a striker because they're 1-0 down. Let's go. Hmm. I'm trying to think you played for England in the Euros, a striker. Who was
1: really hot in EPL in 2015,
0: 2016? <laughs> oh, I'm overthinking this one now. Um, all right, what one team, more. Well, what team
1: won the league
0: against all odds? Oh, Lester, Jamie Vardy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Good clue. Thank you. Yeah, I wouldn't have got it else. without the clue. But. <laughs> Vardy now no longer playing any international football, retired from international football. So. Yep, yep. Yep. Hey, well, you did pretty good. How to do? What how many did you get?
1: You got I'm gonna give you one number one. Um two you got four. You got three, three to five.
0: Nice, not well, bad. I'm not especially proud of Jolie yeah. and Lescott. That was that one you was, yeah, was you nailed inspired. Yep. Inspired. All right. Well we'll we'll kick it back to you for the last question of the night then, Justin. It's our EPL trivia question. Okay. Again, reminder for our listeners, which club can claim the lowest home attendance in Premier League history with 3,039 total fans in the stands that day? Our first clue, the game took place in January 1993, and the home side's opponents were Everton. And our final clue for today, Justin, Everton won this game 3-1, and a consolation goal was scored for the home side, one you're trying to name, by a certain John Fashion. John Fashion. Mm-hmm. <sighs>
1: um, do you need more clues? Give me one more clue. One more clue. Okay. And then, um, and then I'll make my pick.
0: This team, since playing in this game, was dissolved and reformed in one of the lowest leagues in England and now play their football in league one, following many promotions to get them back there. Wimbledon, Wimbledon football. Club oh, is correct. If you hadn't <laughs> given me that, I was going to say, uh, Ipswich if was going to be my guess. Okay. Yeah. But no, I'm Wimbledon. familiar with the, yeah. the whole Wimbledon thing. That was at Selhurst park when Selhurst park was shared between Wimbledon and Crystal palace.
1: Yep. I remember there were dissolved. And, um, um, who who what um what newcastle player started wimbledon um um
0: what newcastle player played for wimbledon?
1: Or yeah, played for wimbledon. Warren Martin. Martin. Thank you. Yeah, there you oh go. Oh my gosh, I was yeah. blanking on that. I was like I know some yeah. we had a, a famous player started
0: there. So yeah. And Vinnie Vinny Jones played for Wales. Oh, Vinnie a Jones. A couple couple of caps for That's Wales right. as well. Yeah, yeah. So. Yep. Good, good team back in the day. All right, my yep. friend, this is, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for, for stepping in at short notice. I really appreciate it. You, you have any shout outs that you want to give or any plugs that you want to give? I know you've got some, uh, some golf pages going on Facebook there that you might want to plug. <laughs> oh,
1: he's going to push me.
0: Um, I did just start a,
1: um, a golf kind of vlog with my buddy here in Michigan I I'm, I'm I'm kind of new to golf. I, I'm never a big golfer. And this last year I started to get out there and play it and kind of fell in love with it. So um it's uh, Dad Bod Bogeys, uh the tale of two young golfers trying to break 90, two new golfers trying to break ninety. So not so uh, young
0: anymore. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, that's right. Yeah, not young. <laughs> <laughs> 1983. We already established what year you were born. Upon.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, um, yeah, check that out if uh if golf is are fancy. I know you're uh you're you're um uh, Bale, there is a big golfer right
0: that's right yeah he Wales puts golf, it above Wales golf madrid yeah before madrid yeah that's right <laughs>
1: um but also um just want to shout out to uh josh and dave my other buddies out there who are probably listening from denver miss you guys and uh hope to hopefully when y'all get vaccinated i can come out to the euros this year and uh watch the matches and have some beers and hang out again because miss you guys out there so
0: Cool. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. I know we talked about you potentially coming out to Denver for the Euros. It'll be good fun. Got to make sure we catch a Wales game, um, an England game, and a France game. That'd be good to catch all three of those. Yes, catch yeah. them all. Be good times. All right, thank you, my friend. Um, until next time, thank you for listening. Footy!